episode of Gooping and Gagging with Nene. I am your host with the dirtiest little secret. And bitch, I am here to spill tea on everything that keeps my glitter-filled brain stimulated. From travel tips to theme parks to life lessons with your favorite femme, you'll never know what you'll get. But today, girl, we are gonna get it. Whether you're uh, planning your future wedding or if you're like me and you're sitting on a secret that you've been dying to tell everyone. I am here for you. Tamisha Iman is coming for you. Bitch, we need to talk about that later. So sit back, grab yourself a McChicken and a large fry hanny, and let's start the show. Welcome to episode six, you guys. This week is jam-packed with information, and there is so much to talk about. So I just want to dive right in and get into it. So I'm going to start us off with um, some weekly news, and then, bitch, I'm going to spill tea on McDonald's's, 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 McDonald's's deepest, darkest secret that to this day has not been cracked, and I have the truth behind this myth that has been brewing for decades and decades. Once we do that, then we're going to get into your questions, and the questions this week are actually really informational and super helpful, so I'm really excited to get into it, but let's kick shit off and let's start with the news. First up, Disneyland is open! Yay! <laughs> um, I was lucky enough to be invited to the cast preview and it was so wonderful, you guys. I know a bunch of y'all have been going and I don't want to bore your brains out, but um, I did just want to maybe dish on some new tips and tricks or just things to understand and know uh, before you go, especially with the pandemic in mind and just how Disneyland is operating. So I thought I would spill tea on just what I was faced with and what I discovered as someone who is going to be going to the Disneyland Resort throughout 2021. First things first, food. They're gonna starve you. And I was fucking sad. You guys, oh my God. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's a journey with the food. First thing to note is if you have something really specific that you loved at the park, something that you miss oh so much, the truth is it's probably not available at this time. They really didn't have much to eat. There were not a lot of places open. Um, and the couple places that were open were just kind of like, eh? I was like, really? Like Red Rose Tavern, which bitch the fuck? I mean, I don't know if it's because I worked like near it. So I had to eat that food every day. But also it's just like cheeseburgers and waffle fries. Like, I don't know why that was something that we thought needed to be open. But um, there are some uh, places that are open um, that are fan favorites like Plaza Inn and Jolly Holiday, which also, in my opinion, I'm like, Jolly Holiday, really? Like, it's sandwiches. But um, anyways, yeah, there's not a lot open. And what is open is a bitch and a half. Everything is pretty much mobile order, which P.S. I love mobile order and it's so easy. It's so accessible. And I would prefer a world of mobile order, except, however, mobile order right now at Disneyland is kind of not it. Anything that you want to get has minimum, minimum a 30 minute mobile order wait window. There were other things that were two to three hours. Like for me, it was a Ronto wrap in Galaxy's Edge. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is come to the parks full, bring snacks with you. And whatever you plan on eating at the park, just keep that in mind that it's going to be 30 minutes to an hour before you get anything. 
So it's not going to be smart to do theme parks how you used to, where you just kind of wait until you're starving and then you go to eat somewhere. You're not going to want to do that. You're going to want to wait until you're like kind of just a teensy weensy bit hungry, like a little peckish, and then get your order in somewhere so that basically by the time you're fucking starving like an hour later your food will be ready so food was not the most fun but it is what it is the next tip i have for you guys um okay if you're going to disneyland and this is also for my cast members um as far as time and efficiency goes usually i feel like people would run to like the popular e-tickets like people are running straight to space mountain or people are running you know to the mountains. But with COVID in mind um, and how everything is just kind of going to be a short wait right now at 25% capacity, instead of running to the popular rides, you should be running to the least efficient rides. For example, right now, the Haunted Mansion is the least efficient ride or the most inefficient ride. The line is going to take five ever because only five groups are allowed in the stretching room elevator at a time. The line does not move and it's a fucking pain. So instead of running to Space Mountain that has rockets continuously moving, you need to be running to Haunted Mansion and get on that as soon as possible in the morning before it forms a line. Because when that thing forms a line, you're kind of fucked. The line's not going to move. So my tips and tricks as far as rides go is I would do the west side first. I would do Mansion, I would do Pirates, and I would do Indy. I would knock those three out first because I felt in my heart that those were the three rides that had the worst efficiency and had the slowest moving lines. So you want to get those out of the way early in the morning before too many people enter the park. Everything else, just go on whenever the hell you want and you will be completely fine. My last tip um, that I kind of just feel like everyone should know before coming to the parks is to just relax, chill the fuck out. This is going to be a different Disney day than you're used to. A lot of the rides are going to be closed. A lot of your favorite eateries are going to be closed. There's pretty much no entertainment right now. And they're still charging your ass full price for tickets. So set yourself up for success because no cast member there that day has any control over any of the things that you're going to be potentially mad about. So save your upsets, scream into a jar, and close the lid and seal that shit because no one wants to put up with your nasty ass at the parks when you come and you're angry and upset about something. At the cast preview, um, I saw a lady straight up yelling at a cast member at Bengal Barbecue which P.S. everyone's food at Bingo Barbecue was literally taking like 25 to 30 minutes. And it was, they're just skewers with three pieces of meat on it. So it was kind of insane. But remember, that was at the cast preview. Like the lady who was yelling at the cast member was either a cast member herself or she came with a cast member. It was just insane. And I am like, holy shit, like what is going on? I can't imagine what the regular guests are going to do. But literally just set yourself up for success and know what you're walking into. Tamisha, Iman, it's coming for you. She's coming for me. She's coming for you. She is coming for everyone. But most notably, she is coming for Miss Monet Exchange. You guys, this week in the news. Honey, it is kind of bonkers and so all over the place. It's not even funny. I think that this is like the first time in history that something like this has happened. Now, for those of you guys who watch Drag Race or know anything about Drag Race or are in the community, then hang on because, bitch, you're going to gag. For those of you who know absolutely nothing about Drag Race, I am going to try my hardest to explain this particular situation to you. 
I don't usually talk about like random drama. I feel like that's not really something that I do. Like in the news this week is drama between so-and-so and so-and-so. But I feel like this is really important to talk about because it's kind of the first time that anything like this has happened. And I feel like it actually does teach a really important lesson just to Anybody who's listening and anybody who is um, seeing this unfold, it teaches you a really good lesson on just how to properly be a decent human being. So Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race is a show where drag queens come and they do their thing. And every single episode, there is a category and they have to come up with these gorgeous runway looks and they have to serve looks on the runway for that night. So if the category is like red or the category is like aliens or whatever the fuck the category will be, all the queens have to come up with their own custom looks that have to do with the category and the theme and they showcase them on the runway. Now, there is something um, in the drag race community that I guess it doesn't really have a name, but I would call it toot and boot culture. And basically there are a lot of drag queens, usually it's the winners of previous seasons, and they go on their little YouTube channels or they even go on like the, Ru- the official RuPaul's Drag Race YouTube channel. And what they do is every week when an episode drops, they have a little viewing party with another drag queen. They sit down and they toot and they boot the looks of that episode. So for instance, an example So to help explain what a toot or a boot is, a toot means they like the outfit and a boot means that they don't. It's kind of very like that red carpet thing that they used to do. I don't know if they still do it where I forget what they would do, but they would just like talk shit about people and say like what they liked and what they didn't like and and like who was the best dress and who wasn't the best dress and whatever. This toot and boot culture has been kind of going on for ever and it's just like the opinion of the queen and we kind of get to see if the two queens agree with each other on whether they want to toot or boot a look and they just kind of like talk about it and yada 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 it's just whatever so a queen named tamisha iman on season 13 many of you may know her she is on a rampage right now literally on a rampage because this other queen, Monet Exchange, has been tooting and booting the looks of the season 13 girls. And I guess this this queen, Monet, has not liked any of Tamisha's looks. It's just her opinion. And she's very respectfully booted all of Tamisha's looks. And it's never like mean or in bad taste. Like the ones that I've seen, she's just like, you know what? This one's just not for me. Like, I just don't really like this outfit. I just don't really like, you know, it's just isn't for me. It's a boot from me. However, Tamisha Iman went on a 10-minute live, basically threatening in a way. Um, okay, long story short, it was a 10-minute live of her popping off, and I don't think this has ever happened before, where someone has been so upset and mad at someone booting their looks, where... Tamisha literally said, I am going to be coming out with a brand new show. I am debuting a brand new show on YouTube where I am basically going to go through all the people who booted my looks on all these different video YouTube videos. And I'm basically going to demolish them in every way possible. I'm going to read them. I'm going to drag them. I'm going to boot all of their looks. I'm going to come for their necks. I'm going to fuck them up and I'm going to punish them for having a negative opinion about my fashion. That's pretty much what she was saying. And her 
explanation for it was um, that she's 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 a queen that's in her 40s and a lot of like older gay people especially older femme gay people drag queens and trans people um, that you know they really truthfully did pave the way for whatever we are experiencing right now in the gay community and it's because of them that we have everything that we have right now and and, and just having RuPaul's Drag Race is because of those older queens and yes we should have respect for them as I think that we should have respect for everyone but um, Tamisha feels as if people need to respect their elders and that everyone owes her in, in a way for like paving the way for drag queens. And if they don't automatically respect her or, or not even respect her, but if they don't automatically like, I guess, like her style or just be in love with every outfit that she wears, that she's going to come for you and threaten you. I don't. I don't know what the fuck is happening. I don't get it. However, Tamisha did post this 10-minute live, and she said that she would be dropping her new show on Tuesday, which for me, you guys, is today, May the 4th, and this new show would come for everyone's throats. At the time of this recording, this new show is nowhere to be found. It hasn't been posted yet. I actually saw um, this tweet today, and it's actually this guy who's been working ODV at Disneyland for a really, really long time, um, like since like 2005 or something like that. I fucking love him. I follow him on Twitter. I think his name is like Christian. I don't know. I got to fucking look it up. But anyways, he was like, where is Tamisha? And I was literally like, oh my God, even the fucking Disney gays are like, where the fuck is Tamisha? The girl Monet Exchange who was under fire, she like made a... Instagram story where she was like laughing. She was like, Tamisha Iman is coming for me. Haha. And she was like laughing. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but I think that there's a really, really important lesson in here. You guys, there is that very famous saying that says, if you have nothing nice to say, just don't say it at all. It just kind of doesn't do any good for the world. Even if someone is coming for you or attacking you or criticizing you, it's just other people's opinions of you are none of your business. Tamisha like literally creating a new channel just to like bash people is just I mean it's like coming from a hurt place and she uh, is seeking revenge and at the end of the day like it just doesn't make anyone look good. Like she looks dumb. Everyone looks fucking dumb. It's it's not that fucking big of a deal. It's literally not that serious. So I think that we can all learn I think Tamisha Iman took the bullet. At least in my opinion, she looked fucking stupid. I think that she still looks fucking stupid to like literally create an entire channel to bash people for having an opinion about your dress and just saying, hey, you know, it's just not for me. I just don't really like it. For you to like come back and destroy and demolish them because they just didn't like what you put out on the show is just so petty. It's so childish. It kind of makes no sense. I don't know if there's a part of the story that I don't see and I don't understand. I've tried to do so much research on the situation because it does not make sense. I watched the entire live video two times and she literally is coming for blood over nothing. Like it makes no sense. But I have had so many personal experiences where people just piss me off and they just are talking shit and just are just being assholes. And you know what? At the end of the day, just fucking leave them alone. Just leave them be. And the universe and karma will do all the work for you. So um, I think there is something for all of us to learn here. And shit, bitch. If Tamisha comes out with her show, I, I'm, bitch, I'm gonna watch it. I'm so excited. I cannot wait to watch it because I'm really curious as to what this is even gonna be about and how she's even gonna drag people. And also it's like, 
your intention is to seek revenge and to spread hate on the internet, which is so different. And it's just so weird for like a 40 plus year old drag queen to do. So let's just see what goes down. I'm very interested and excited to see what happens. But that is a piece of the news this week in the drag race world. All right, so it is time to get into the beef, the meat for today's episode. And oh my God, I was literally not expecting this week's episode to be about this. I was not expecting this information at all. Life played out and this guy just started fucking going in and spilling all this tea to me. And it was just insane. Everybody and their mother knows that there is a myth about McDonald's Sprite. It's here. It's there. We all know that McDonald's has the most superior Sprite and it burns and it's like electric and there's a bunch of memes and there were vines when vine was a thing and there's a bunch of tiktoks about it and it's a myth everyone is like mcdonald's has the best sprite why is it the best sprite what's different about their sprite why does it taste so good and no one's really been able to figure it out in fact i remember seeing a tiktok about maybe like two or three weeks ago i wonder if i can find it but it was a mcdonald's uh employee and she was basically like debunking the myth and saying, hey guys, I work at McDonald's. There's nothing different. We do nothing different with our Sprite, with our soda. It just comes out of the soda machine like that. And I think every all of y'all are tripping and it's just Sprite. So there is this myth and, and no one understands why their Sprite or why their sodas taste so electric and so carbonated. But I do. I'm about to debunk the myth right now, you guys. If you are wondering who is correct and what is going on, I have the answer. I am about to go in and tell you guys everything about McDonald's soda and if it is actually different than soda you can get anywhere else. So let's get into it. Okay, so let me explain how this happened, and I don't want to get too scientific, but we're going to have to talk about soda science for you to kind of see and understand how this all works. So as you guys know, the soda fountain, um, we're currently working on reopening it, and the soda machine in the soda fountain has not been working for over a year, so I had to like completely regenerate this entire soda fountain on my own and it's been the biggest pain in the ass and I've needed help from almost everyone and their mother but we finally got it working and bitch I'm sitting on a little secret I'm about to be a fucking mythbuster hanny so basically how soda works it's like the weirdest thing to explain like when you go to a restaurant or a bar or anything where like soda comes out of a tap you go to purchase your specific soda flavored syrups and they come in like giant boxes. I'm sure anyone who's worked in foods knows what I'm talking about. For instance, you want to go and buy Coca-Cola. You can buy a giant box of just Coca-Cola syrup. And then you hook it up to these tubes, which then hook up to a carbonation tank, which then travel through these pipes underground underneath the soda bar, which then connect to water out of like out of your water filter and then it shoots out of this gun so basically you have the syrup with the carbonation traveling through the pipes connecting with the filtered water 
to then all mix together and squirt soda out of whatever you're getting it out of, whether it's a machine, whether it's a soda gun, whatever it may be. So I basically went, I got brand new syrups and I started connecting them to their respective tubes. And I was like, okay, I think I'm fucking doing everything right. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. And basically I called my carbonation guy and he uh, brought in fresh tanks. He brought in five fresh carbonation tanks. We hooked everything up and we did it. We hooked everything up. It's like, okay, the syrups are connected. The carbonation is connected. The filtered water is connected. Okay, let's run the soda. So I literally grab the soda gun. I take a drink and I'm like, huh, it like feels carbonated slightly, but it tastes completely flat. Like I don't understand what is going on. So I call my carbonation guy and I'm like, hey, like those tanks that you brought me, like you didn't accidentally bring me empty tanks, right? Like there was carbonation in there. Like what is going on? Yada, yada, yada. And he was like, no, all my tanks are full. Like everything should be working. And if nothing is working, you need to call Coca-Cola because our machine, our like soda machine is from Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola does all of our servicing. So he was like, you need to call Coca-Cola, a Coca-Cola tech needs to come here and figure out what the fuck is going on. So I call the Coca-Cola guy. He comes down and he's super sweet. He is like a really old man who's been working for Coca-Cola for years. And he is just gagging over the pharmacy because, of course, we're an old school soda fountain where Coca-Cola was first served back in the day 100 years ago. And it's an original whatever soda fountain. We have um, this antique Coca-Cola machine that actually still runs, but we don't use it because... It's like mega antique and it's from the 40s or the 50s. And he was like gagging over this like Coca-Cola piece that we have in the store. And and we have a Coca-Cola freezer. And he was just like, like a child in a candy store. And he was trying to figure out what was happening. And we finally got down to the bottom of it. So here's the tea. All of this tea, this juicy, juicy gossip always just comes down to the ice chest. Now, every restaurant is different. Fast food restaurants have these like giant ice machines on top of their soda dispensers, where when you go to put your cup, the ice is immediately falling from the ice machine that is on top of the soda dispenser. Restaurants or bars like us We have an ice chest where we have an ice maker in the back and we go and we take a little bucket. We skip on over to the ice machine. We scoop the ice out of the machine and into this bucket and then we fill up the ice chest. The important thing to note here is that the ice chest is always connected to the soda machine. So whether your ice chest is making ice or it's not making ice, you need to have ice connected to your soda machine And your ice chest will always be connected to your soda somehow, some way. In this ice chest, at the bottom is a metal plate. Now, this metal plate is the star of our story. I really need you guys to just imagine, do the best you can to imagine what this metal plate looks like and to just... Hang in there with me. So there's a metal plate that has 
all these different tubes that connect to it that I honestly had never really even noticed before. And it's at the bottom of the ice chest. And he's like, okay, do you see this metal plate with all these tubes? And I'm like, yes. He's like, this ice chest has to be completely filled, which by the way, at the time it wasn't because we're not open. But he was like, this ice chest has to be completely filled because this metal plate has to be covered in ice and has to be cold for your drinks to taste carbonated. So he was basically saying that like hooking up a carbonation tank is only half the story. Like you need to have cold, like cold is what makes things feel and taste more carbonated. And he explained the actual terminology that Coca-Cola uses and it's called the bite. And the bite is the burn that you get after drinking soda. You guys know like sometimes you'll drink soda out of a bottle and the bite is really intense. Like it literally burns down your throat. And sometimes you'll drink soda like out of a tap and it doesn't really burn that much. Well, McDonald's, their sodas are special and their Sprite is special because it burns like a motherfucker. It literally fucking destroys the inner lining of your esophagus as it's going down and it burns so hard. So here you go, you guys. Here is the tea. Here is the myth because literally this guy from actual Coca-Cola, the guy who services McDonald's, he does all the Coca-Cola machines for everyone. He is literally in charge of Coca-Cola machines across the board for restaurants in LA County. This is coming from him. He basically was like, haven't you ever wondered why McDonald's drinks are like intense? And I was like, oh my God, yes. Like explain to me. Like I've been seeing everywhere, like everyone's obsessed with the McDonald's Sprite. It's And he's like, well, it's not their Sprite. It's all of their sodas and it's for a reason. And he's like, let me explain the science behind it and let me tell you what McDonald's has. So he was like, your metal plate over here that you have, when you cover it with ice, the lowest temperature that it can reach is 38 degrees. He said 38 degrees is the temperature that your sodas need to be, that this metal plate needs to be for your sodas to just taste carbonated and just regular and juicy and burny and just how sodas are supposed to taste. So he said, when you fill this chest up with ice and the ice covers the metal plate, your metal plate will reach 38 degrees, which is how it'll taste carbonated. Then he said that McDonald's has a special machine. I guess it's patented because only McDonald's, I guess, has it and it's special and McDonald's went out of their way to create this machine. And what this machine does is it freezes that metal plate that we have, but instead of just filling it up with ice and just having it reach its minimum 38 degrees, he said that they have a special machine that freezes their metal plate to 36 degrees, two degrees less than any other restaurant is capable. So ours is 38 degrees. Every restaurant you'll ever go to is 38 degrees, but McDonald's has a special machine that will freeze that metal plate to 36 degrees, which is what makes their sodas burn like a bitch. So there you go, guys. That is the myth. I have finally debunked it. McDonald's sodas are in fact different than anywhere else. Their Sprite is the most superior and it is because they have a patented machine that will freeze this metal plate with the sodas running through it to a 36 degree temperature which fun fact no other metal plate can reach with just the use of ice 
So there you have it. That is the tea. Their sodas are 36 degrees. Everyone else's sodas are 38 degrees and their sodas will have a stronger bite forever, darling. All right, let's go ahead and answer some questions. Miss Victoria, Vic2Bomb, bitch. Miss Victoria Frescura asks, what are some do's and don'ts of weddings from the POV of an attendee to the planners? Oh my God, you guys, this is such a loaded question because, oh my God, I, I feel like I have so much advice and so many things to say and I feel like I've been to so many weddings that I, I like I always have an opinion about certain things that brides decide to do certain things that I feel really work well and certain things that I'm just like baby that was not it and no one's having fun but um okay so I have a bunch of things in mind but they all kind of fall into one category so the category is like like the, the the main thing that I'm trying to say in weddings when you're planning a wedding is you need balance. What I mean by this is when you're planning a wedding, yes, it's your day. Yes, it's your dream day. Yes, it's everything that you want it to be. And also it's not. And what I mean by that is that you have 100, 200, 300, 400, even 30 to 40 people. However many people you have, you have a lot of people attending and I feel like there needs to be a balance. You need to make the wedding something that you absolutely love and it is just everything that you've dreamed of and you also really need to keep your guests in mind. Ugh, I mean, where do we start? Okay, I mean, I have so many different stories and just so many different things, and, and this is what I'm talking about. So let's first talk about the ceremony. I have been to weddings that have the longest ceremonies ever, and just, I mean, no one wants to sit through that. I am so fucking sorry to tell you that nobody wants to fucking sit through your wedding ceremony. Like, no one gives a fuck about, like, you, like, saying, I do. We're all here to support you, and we're all here to get fucked up and black the fuck out and dance our asses off, and the ceremony is, like, jury duty for us, okay? Let me just fucking clear the fucking air. Your ceremony is jury duty, and no one gives a fuck. I've never met anyone who's been like, oh my gosh, that ceremony was too short. Oh my gosh, I really want to fucking sit here and just fucking listen to them all day long. No. I have um, been to ceremonies that were extremely long and I am like, holy fucking shit. I hate everything about this. And then I've also been to weddings where the bride is straight up like, nah, fam, like my, like we're trying to get married and we're trying to move on and we're trying to like start the festivities. So I really recommend just keeping the ceremony short and sweet. Now let's talk about vows because I feel like vows, I'm really on the fence about vows. So for some people, vows are like really, really important for, for you guys to say each other's vows um, in front of people. And, and some people find it to be excessive and just a little too personal. Now, um, I've been to a wedding where, of course, they say their vows and, and it's a whole long process and it's this whole like mushy gushy thing that, you know, is what it is. 
And I've also been to weddings where they don't do vows right then and there. Like vows are really, really personal and they just kind of keep it intimate and they'll say their vows the night before at the rehearsal or they will say their vows just elsewhere. It just won't be a part of the ceremony because it's just really, really personal and it's just kind of between them. Now, I understand for those people who find it really, really important for them to say their vows out in front of everyone in the middle of the ceremony. I totally understand you and you are valid. I just want you to know in your heart, deep down in your heart, when you're saying your vows, I want you to know that no one gives a fuck about your vows and what the fuck you promise your partner. We don't care. It is literally an intimate moment and it's so intimate sometimes that I feel like it's a little personal and a little uncomfortable to sit through just personally. But if you're going to say your vows in front of everyone, do it for you and just know that that like no one asked for this and that you should be doing it for you. And, and, and if it's something that's important for you, do it. And I think that you're valid and I think that you should. And if it's really that important, do it. <laughs> Oh my god, this is this is kind of mean, but I'm but I'm just dead ass. I'm just trying to be real with you guys. And listen, this question said do's and don'ts of a wedding from the POV of an attendee. And I'm just telling you from an attendee, from someone who's been in weddings, like I'm fucking man of honor, to dead ass like sitting in the fucking hard ass chairs. Like I'm telling you, no one wants to fucking sit through that. Say your fucking I do's, make out, and let's fucking go. Let's talk about food and music. Okay, I cannot stress this enough. Know your clientele, know your clientele, know your clientele. In other words, understand your guests and really see who the fuck is coming. In reality, you're going to be too fucking excited or nervous to eat, okay? So no one gives a fuck about what your food preferences are, Miss Bride, because you're not even going to be fucking eating. Never have I ever met a bride that was like, bitch, I ate the house down boots. I ate all the food. So if we're all going to acknowledge that you're not going to be fucking eating, then please get us something that we'll fucking like. Like, please, like, I get that, like, shrimp scampi is your favorite fucking meal, but also you're not going to be eating. And let's please, like, look at the guests and maybe see what they would like. Because we're the ones who are going to have to be eating the food. Now, um, I've gone to weddings where the food was very, very fancy schmancy, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that that is just classic and original and awesome. But I think that, like, the new trend is just to have good fucking comfort food. I know that my very, very good Judy's, um, Juicy and Daddy Richard, um, they had an In-N-Out truck at their wedding and people loved it. I was unfortunately not able to go to the wedding because the wedding was, um, I think it was like the same day that I flew back from Japan, so I couldn't make it. But I know that they had an In-N-Out truck and everyone was gagging and it was just the coolest fucking thing to do. It's like everyone loves In-N-Out and it's casual and it's just something that's so fun because when you're having such a fancy wedding, it's like, it just feels so good to have comfort eats. At another wedding, um... <laughs> Bitch, we ain't gonna go there. But this wedding, um, this wedding had amazing food and they decided to do comfort barbecue, like brisket, fucking mashed potatoes and like just really, really good Southern barbecue. But like the way they did it was so wonderful and they did it in, in like uh, they had a fancy twist, like the mashed potatoes were served in glass martini, um, like martini glasses. 
and just everything was so lovely. And, and I just loved that they did that. I was like, wow, like this is honestly the best wedding food that I've ever had because like no one wants to eat like fish and chicken breast and steak and rice. You know what I mean? It's like, I just like, I love the fact that it was wedding time and bitch, they had brisket, ribs, fucking not ribs. I don't think they had ribs, but they had like brisket, cream corn, mashed potatoes. It was just barbecue. So, so yeah, just know your guests and just see what you want. It has to be a beautiful balance of like something that you think would be wonderful and delicious, but also understand that you're not going to be eating. So just make sure it's something that everyone else likes. On the same topic of understanding your guests, let's talk about music. Oh my God. Okay. So I've had music go two ways. I've had a bride say, okay, um, I'm renting a DJ and they're just going to play the greatest hits and they're going to play their most popular songs that just get everyone out to dance. I've had a bride that says, okay, I need to know my guests. I know that my guests like love this type of music. So I need to tell the DJ to play this specific type of music. And then I've known brides that don't give a fuck about anyone's preferences and they just want their personal iPod on the aux. And they just want to listen and dance to their personal music. So here's the thing. Option number one, where you just get a DJ and you just have them play like the the, the number one hits, whatever. I think that you're going to get a lot of people to dance and people are going to have fun, but it's just going to be like cringy, generic, like music. Like what's that one song that every fucking DJ plays? Because it's the only song that'll get all the Caucasians who can't dance like out of their seats. And it's the, the one where it's like two steps this time, stomp your feet three times. Move this three times. Cha-cha now. Now move back four steps. Now move forward three steps. It's like the one that literally fucking walks you through it. I don't know what the name of that song is, but like they will always play that song, which I find it's so fucking cringy. It's like so like middle school dance. And like if you're going to play it, like play it. And like it's cute to like get everyone to dance. But like if you like ask for like the greatest hits or or, like songs that are going to get people to dance, they're most likely going to be playing like the fucking cringy ass kids bop songs. Now... I had a bride. (laughs) I had a bride that was like, fuck everyone's preferences. Fuck my guests. I am playing my personal hits, my personal faves. But her guests were all Mexican. So I remember I was like, hey, sis, like, are you going to have Latin music at all? Like, are we doing banda? Like, what are we doing? Because all of your guests are Mexican. And she was like, nah, I'm having no Latin music. I do not want any Latin music. I don't want any of that. I just want my fucking iPod to be on fucking shuffle. And I'm giving the DJ a list of songs and he can only play these songs and there will be no song requests. Literally, that's what happened. And guess what happened? Three people were dancing all night long and no one was fucking dancing. Just no one was participating. So it's like, okay, you had the music that you wanted, but no one's having fun. Like everyone's just sitting in their seats, like mingling. And it's like, as a wedding, it's th- that's not really what you want, right? You want everyone to be up dancing, having fun. So I don't agree with that. And I think that the beautiful me- medium is to just understand your guests and to have a beautiful mixture. Like, I would give my DJ like a list of songs like, hey, these are the songs that you absolutely need to play, whether they're my favorite songs, whether they're my guest favorite songs, whether you have a song that's dedicated to one of your bridesmaids that is like your favorite song together. That's like your guys' song and you guys will have your intimate moment. I think that you need to have songs that are on the list, but also I think that you absolutely need song requests. Like if a guest is saying, hey, I'm trying to dance my ass off, please play this song. Why the fuck are you going to reject that request? Like, what the fuck? Like, they're clearly telling you what they want. Why are you not going to, like, take the, take the request? 
So I think that you need a beautiful medium and you need to understand your guests. If you have a lot of Latin or Hispanic or Mexican guests, like play music that they will like and that they will dance to. Like, why the fuck do you want them just sitting in their seats? If you have fucking rednecks, like play Rascal Flats. Like that shit will get them going. Okay, so that's my thing. Just have balance, understand your guests and just also like make it for them too. make it special for them. I've been to weddings where like, the bride just does everything that she wants and just no one's having fun. Like, okay, great. You had your perfect wedding, but no one had fun. Like, what's the point? You know what I mean? So it all just depends on you. And what I would do as a bride um, is just make it fun for everyone and not just me. Now, as far as the wedding goes, let's talk about speeches. Oh my God. Speeches, girl. Speeches. For the most part, once again, also, no one wants to listen to the speeches. No one gives a fuck about the speeches. No one. Um, I had a bride most recently, and she was extremely smart about the situation. And she said, all right, bitches, we have hella people that need to make speeches. Everyone has a time limit. So she told everyone, I think it was four minutes or maybe five minutes. And she basically told everyone, she said, everyone has five minutes to, to, to do their speech. Make sure you practice it. Make sure you time yourself. And that's that. I was one of the people who had to make a speech that night, and my goal, because I knew that no one wants to fucking sit through this, no one gives a fuck about what I'm saying, and bitch, I made it into a stand-up comedy special. I was fucking funny, I threw in personal jokes, I threw in relatable stuff, I made sure that it was very heartfelt, but also very entertaining, just because that's the type of person I am. Like, I want to be the star of the show, and I want people to have fun, and I also recognize that no one wants to fucking sit through these, so I need to just shake shit up and just turn the fucking party. So that was my thing. I made sure I did it under five minutes and it was very successful. And I think that it was very, very smart of her to do that, to put a time limit for everyone because she also acknowledged, she was like, we have hella speeches and no one wants to fucking sit through these. So yeah, that is my wedding advice. Those are my do's and don'ts from a guest perspective. Keep your ceremony short. I would not do vows, but if you want to do vows, do them. And I totally understand if you want to do them. Just know that no one wants to fucking listen to you and no one really gives a fuck about what you have to say. <laughs> Make sure that the food is delicious for the guests and not you because you're not going to be eating anyways. Keep the speeches short and make sure that the music has the guest preferences in mind. All right, you guys, I was going to answer like a whole bunch more questions, but bitch, we're already at 40 minutes and mama's tired. So I think we're just going to cut it here this week. This was such a fun episode to record. Short, sweet, to the point, mama. If you haven't gone ahead and done so, please, please, please don't forget to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you do want to support me and the show, go ahead and snatch yourself up some merch, baby. The link is always in the podcast description. Y'all, y'all don't check the fucking podcast description because I be saying shit on here and then I just be getting text messages like, where do I find this? How do I find this? Where is this? And I'm like, bitch, it's all there. Thank you guys so much for joining me this week on Gooping and Gagging with Nene, episode six. Bitch, she was sweet and short, but honey, we spilled tea. We were Mythbusters this week. <laughs> and like my queen, Miss Angelica Pickles says, when life gives you lemons, make applesauce. Bye, babies. Bye, babies.